Welcome to Modern Practice. And on this episode, we'll continue our discussion about the reasons for making mental health diagnosis and documenting them. I'm your host, Dr. Tomas Villanueva, Senior Principal for Operations and Quality of Vizian and Practicing Internist. Joining me again is Connie Ryan, Consulting Director for Clinical Documentation Improvement at Vizian. Connie, welcome back. Hey, thanks, Tom. It's great to be back. So, in our last episode, we talked about the importance of recognizing underlying psychiatric conditions, how to help our providers in the ambulatory setting or even in the acute care setting to feel comfortable with diagnosing it or, more importantly, just documenting it as part of it. And we even talked about how this is in relation to risk adjustment, not only in any care level setting, but if you are a part of some type of value-based contracting or using Medicare Advantage as an example, too, this is important for HCCs and for your RAF score. So how do we help providers overcome their reluctance to make a mental health diagnosis? Because we spoke in the last episode about maybe you're comfortable with depression, but then when you're caught speaking about complicated depressions like bipolar, well, quite frankly, I'll be honest, I'm not really sure I'm the right person to make that kind of diagnosis. So how can we help with that reluctance? So I think on the last episode, we talked a bit about education and about keeping those lines of communication open. I think that's really important. At the end of the day, though, I think we have to be mindful and we have to stay mindful of the fact that psychiatry is highly specialized. And so I, as a CDI professional, if I'm reviewing a record and I see that the patient has a cardiology consult and is being worked up for an initial diagnosis of what looks to be heart failure, I am not going to query my hospitalist and ask them to make that initial diagnosis. It's not fair to them, and it's really not a smart move for me either as a professional. I'm probably not going to get what I'm looking for, probably not going to get an answer. What they're going to think is this patient's still being worked up. I can't answer that yet. So as CDI professionals, we need to stay mindful of that, that psychiatry is like any other specialty, and it needs to be treated that way. And so if it's an initial diagnosis, honestly, I don't think it's fair to ask that of a hospitalist or of a primary care provider. However, if this is an existing diagnosis, asking them to add a little bit of specificity to that can oftentimes be reasonable. You have to use some critical thinking skills. You can't just make a blanket statement and say, well, we're always going to ask for this. But if a patient has an existing diagnosis of schizophrenia and they come in through your ER and they're having an episode of psychosis, yes, I think it's fair to query for that and get that level of specificity on there because we always want to make sure whatever we're asking for is reportable. I can guarantee you, if nothing else, even if it's not being evaluated or in some other way treated by the physician, it is contributing to increased nursing care and monitoring. So you bring up a very good point, and I think we need to emphasize it's not so much that we're asking either the hospitalist or the primary care physician to make the diagnosis other than in those areas that they're comfortable in doing it, but just at least that we're translating that if the patient has a history of underlying, say, schizophrenia, to use the example, that we're documenting that as well. Right, and that we're picking that up. And it comes back to a bigger point, and that is that 
it all fits together. All of this works together. Anybody who is living under this perception that a patient's mental well-being does not impact their physical well-being, I think that's a fantasy. It absolutely impacts it. And that's been proven and validated. And so really, it's about making sure that the documentation that's in the medical record paints an accurate picture of what is going on with that patient. So, Connie, you bring up also another very good point. And truth is that patients with underlying psychiatric conditions do affect their other chronic conditions. In fact, 40% of patients with some underlying chronic condition, diabetes, heart failure, a very good example, have depression. And even during the pandemic, those patients with underlying psychiatric conditions, especially psychosis, actually had a higher mortality rate and complication rate due to COVID as well. So I think that literature more than justifies your statement that, yes, an underlying psychiatric disorder can affect other conditions as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. So what kind of resources would you recommend for the CDI team? Because you've mentioned that your query needs to make sense. It does. It needs to be well-informed. I am so glad you asked that question. I love that question and I am happy to answer it. So first and foremost, I would get my hands on a copy of the DSM-5 and get some practice at navigating it. If you've not ever opened that up, start with major depressive disorder. If you've not ever looked at the criteria for making a diagnosis of major depressive disorder, it might change your perspective on it, on how easy it is to diagnose that. There's very specific criteria in there, and it's not the kind of criteria that you would often just kind of pick up incidentally or by accident. We need to be doing this pointed, very directed assessment to see if the patient meets criteria for major depressive disorder. They are all like that. And I will also say as a side note that in the DSM-5, there's a lot of, I don't know if I would call it coding guidance, but they do list the ICD-10 diagnosis codes that are associated with those conditions. That makes a lot of sense. So we spoke about the importance of being mindful in part of the CDS when making these queries. We spoke about how this shouldn't be really a burden to our providers in the sense that we're not asking to make diagnosis outside the realm where they may feel comfortable in doing so. It's really carrying over what the patient's clinical truth is. But I can help feel that there's still some pitfalls. Are there any specific pitfalls that we should avoid? Yes. Another good question. And thank you for asking. First, don't make assumptions, especially with medications. We all know that medications can be prescribed off-label and often are, and that's perfectly okay to do that. Just because we see an antidepressant on a medication list doesn't necessarily mean that the patient has been diagnosed with a major depressive disorder. You might see other medications on there that can be used for a different purpose. So my advice there is to proceed with caution. Can you give us an example? Yes. Glad you asked. So bupropion is an excellent example of this. It's FDA approved for depression, but some of the off-label uses are for weight loss or even for ADHD. It's a great drug for alcohol use disorder, and they're advocating for it to be used among hospitalists for discharge. 
Another good example. So as long as we remember to take a common sense approach, we're maintaining a compliant query practice, we should be fine. Hey, Connie, great discussion. Any final words to our listeners? So I guess my words of advice would be to focus on education, keep those lines of communication open with all of your providers, and don't be afraid to ask questions. Absolutely. How else are you going to learn unless you ask questions? Exactly. Connie, great discussion. And to our listeners, you can contact Connie at her email address in the resource section of our podcast page. And if you have any additional questions pertaining to modern practice or simply want to send us your comments, please contact me at our email at modernpracticepodcast at visionink.com. We've posted a link in our research section to make it easier for you. And please join us for other Modern Practice Podcasts. Subscribe today, like us, or send us your comments. And now, I'm Dr. Tom Villanueva. Thank you so much for listening.